because it made me because I in my brain I was like oh like on the princess diaries Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leading Lady Club. We are your hosts. I'm Caitlin. I'm Lauren. And welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Yay. Welcome back. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we're very thankful. We're getting close, Lauren, to a thousand listens on our podcast, which is... Ooh, that's very exciting. exciting. I know. I'm pretty excited about it. We have... Uh, listeners and i think like 35 different states now or something like that and a bunch of different countries it's like kind of wild i don't even know who is listening to us in like the netherlands or um where else there were some crazy places let me see some of my favorite are like hi thank you for listening in europe if you're joining us from um Let's see. If you're listening from the Netherlands or Australia or France or Germany or the Philippines or Norway, South Korea, Canada, UK. We have so many different cool countries where people are listening to our podcast. And I don't know many people or any people in some of those countries. So um, that's pretty cool. I'm glad that you're all listening. Thank you for joining us. Um, and If you ever want to house us for our upcoming European, we'll hopefully take one day. Let us know. Hit us up. Absolutely. We would love to take a girl's trip to Europe. So just let us know. Um, but yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool to have people listening all over the world. Um, especially, I know we keep talking about it, but with the Olympics coming up, you know, it feels like, feels like the Olympics always make us all like a little closer. Every, all, everyone in the world, or maybe not everyone, but like all the countries that are participating in the Olympics. And so, you know, I kind of feel like our podcast is the same way a little bit. Like, hello, all these other countries. Welcome oh. welcome to our show. It's pretty cool. Welcome uh, to the show. We appreciate you being here. Um, this week, we wanted to talk about uh, a pretty cool lady. Uh, we don't know her, but we, it'd be cool if we did. But um, during, like, the height of the pandemic, I started following Amanda Klutz on social media because I had heard the story about her husband, Nick Cordero, who was a Broadway performer and an, an actor in um, television and film as well. And uh, he was sick with COVID and he was really sick in the hospital for a very long time and went through this just crazy journey. He was in a coma for a while and they had to, I believe, amputate his leg at one point. And it just was just this awful, like super sad, tragic uh, thing that was happening. And I, I followed her at that time because she was giving daily updates and um, people were just like praying for her and cheering her on and giving her encouragement. And, um, you know, I just, I wanted to, follow and support her in that journey. And I have followed her ever since. Um, Nick sadly passed away last year after trying to battle COVID and um, he passed away and God bless her sweet soul. She was left with a little, a little baby. I don't even, I can't remember, but I'm not even sure he was a year old at the time, or maybe he was just a year old. Um, but God love her now. She's a single mom of this sweet baby boy. And she's just this incredible woman. She has her own fitness company. She's, um, now one of the co-hosts on the talk show, the talk, which is pretty amazing. And she just recently came out with a book that she and her sister wrote together about Nick and about their, you know, relationship, their marriage. And then also, you know, obviously the journey with him being in the hospital and, you know, all of that that happened. And she just had people talk about all of the world she had people from all over the world like dming her and reaching out to her and supporting her um so she's just had all these people kind of follow her on this journey and now she has come out with this book and it's called live your life my story of loving and losing nick cordero um so it's just this this story she sat down and wrote with her sister after everything happened. And I believe I saw on her Instagram, she also recorded the uh, audiobook 
version of it herself. It was her voice um, narrating that. So I just think she's so incredible. I have not read the book yet, um, but I can't wait to read it. And it has been on my radar for a while, seeing on her Instagram that she was writing it and, and publishing it. Um, so if any of you have had a chance to read it already, definitely shoot us a message. Tell us what you thought about it. Send all of your love to Amanda. Um, I just think she's one of the like strongest, most amazing women ever. She's definitely like a dream podcast guest, um, though I just do not know if I could make it through an interview with her without just like completely breaking down. Like you would have to do that entire interview, Lauren. I just wouldn't, I just, I, it just breaks my heart what she has been through. And I just, I don't understand how anyone can be that strong and that, and she's just stayed like joyful and optimistic through the whole thing. And oh, I just think she's amazing. Um, she has a strong faith. She has, you know, a great relationship with her family. She's a great mom. So anyway, go uh, get, go buy Live Your Life by Amanda Klutz. Read it. Get the audiobook, the ebook, whatever, however you read your books and support her because she's pretty amazing. Talk about a leading lady right there. That is as one of the best examples of one I could think of. So um, definitely wanted to mention that this week since it has recently come out. But another amazing woman that we have had the chance to talk to that we do know personally, luckily, lucky, lucky us, um, is Tanya Gupta. She is an amazing woman. Talk about, we talked a couple episodes ago about, steam, about steam instead of STEM. Um, and I feel like she is like the best example of that acronym that there could possibly be because she went to NYU. That's where we met. She was going to be a mechanical engineer major, which she did. And she became an entrepreneur while she was still at NYU. She created a startup company with some of her other female friends at NYU. Did that. Was like, yep, check entrepreneur, check engineer. And then over the pandemic, she taught herself to create art on photoshop and became this amazing like graphic design artist and has made these incredible designs that have been used now she's collaborated in campaigns with tom ford and airy and lancome and all these different amazing huge 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 companies um and she's just like so talented so smart she is just the coolest i think person that i know like ever She's amazing. Um, she literally does all the things and is, like I said, just one of the smartest people I think I've ever sat down uh, for a conversation with. But she's also like this beautiful woman, um, very like feminine and girly and like embraces that side of herself, which I love because, you know, we're going to, you'll hear it in a minute when we talk with Tanya, but this is something I relate to a lot of, um, you know, sometimes people and especially men kind of make you feel like you can either be feminine and girly and love to like dress up and wear makeup and look pretty or you can be smart and be an engineer and be you know serious and be strong and that those two you kind of have to choose between um and I have said this before like come welcome to my TED talk I love to talk about the Disney princesses and why um they actually are incredibly strong even though they like wear dresses and they want to be like in love and like that's great and you can have both and you can also do that and you can also be incredibly strong and powerful and amazing so anyway thank you for coming to my ted talk i got off on a tangent but the point is that tanya is here with us and she is amazing and we are so excited for you to hear what she has to say so i think i should stop talking and we should just bring her in what do you think lauren i think yes let's bring her in <laughs> okay lauren's like yes you should stop talking all right everyone without further ado all the love in the world all the love of course of course here she is everyone tanya gupta Hi, Tanya. How are you? We're so excited to have you here. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Of course. We're just like tickled pink that you're here. We both just think you're like the coolest person ever. So <laughs> we're both very excited to have you here. Oh, thank you. Literally just looking through your website, I was like, oh, I have so many things I want to talk to her about. It's true. I know. That's the cool thing about you is that your like career and life kind of spans so many different things that we have we had a lot of topics we wanted to cover so we'll just jump right in awesome i can't wait let's go <laughs> all right let's do it so as we said we of course did our research we were looking at your website and seeing all the cool projects and things you have going on and you sort of describe yourself as an artist an engineer and an entrepreneur which 
those are a lot of very different things. Some would even say they're kind of like opposing forces. <laughs> um, how did those different things kind of come together for you? And was that sort of always the plan and always the path you wanted to go down to combine them? Or did that sort of happen for you and you kind of figure out how to combine those different passions later in life? Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't, I definitely did not like start out being like, I'm going to be these three things. Let's make it yeah, happen. I already um, got it. <laughs> yeah, no, not quite. Um, I am a forward planner, but I'm not that good at it. Um, <laughs> no. So, so what ended up happening actually is, so I um, went to undergrad for mechanical engineering. So I took a bunch of engineering classes in high school. I knew that that was something that I wanted to pursue. I was very much into like math and STEM, science, all of that fun stuff. Um, physics was my best science subject. So it kind of made sense to do mechanical engineering. Um, although I did change my major like multiple times before actually settling on, on mechanical. But that's where the engineer thing really started. Um, mm -hmm. When I was a junior in college, I co-founded a startup company called Curtain Call with three of my very good girlfriends. Um, there were three of us engineers, and then one of them was a business or a music business student. So Curtain Call was a last-minute ticket vending platform where we would partner up with local entertainment venues in New York City and basically take their unsold tickets at the last minute. So usually it was like the day prior to the actual event. And then we would list their tickets on our website for below face value. So customers could come to our website and it was kind of like, you know, a uh, hotel tonight, or I know some uh, Broadway things like that exist, kind of like TKTS, where it's like the day of you can get yeah. a discount. Yeah. Totally. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That's where my entrepreneur title kind of came in. That was my first foray into business. But as I'll kind of talk to you about it, um, business is something that kind of seeps into all the different facets of my life and career and entrepreneurship specifically. Um, but Curtain Call was a semi-finalist in the Stern 300K Entrepreneurship Competition at NYU. Wow. So it was just before like funding, like semi-finalists don't get any um, oh. money, but like we got some really great resources and networking opportunities that really propelled us forward. And we were able to like actually sell tickets for, you know, two years um, before that's we all awesome. kind of graduated and did different things. But that's where the entrepreneur title came from. And then finally, artist, I think I was always an artist. I think it was always in me. But I never really knew how to manifest it or like how to make it into something that I really pursued. Um, I was a freelance photographer in high school. So that was, it's a funny story, actually. My parents were very particular that I don't have a job in high school because they wanted me to focus on my academics in true Indian American parents style. Um, <laughs> And I really appreciate that because I was able to focus on my classes and get like good grades and stuff. But then I, you know, prom came around and I was like, I want to buy a nice dress. How do I afford this? So <laughs> I kind of like low key went behind their back, but in the long run, I think mm -hmm. it's like totally fine. Um, but mm -hmm. I, uh, I would take people like, uh, I would take my friends like senior portraits or, um, sometimes they would just want to take like, you know, family photos or, you know, just kind of like small little commissions here and there. Um, and through word of mouth, it kind of spread around to other families in my area as well. Um, and then when I went to NYU, I would come back here um, to Naperville, Illinois, which is where I grew up. Uh, and I would do more senior portraits or, you know, get more commissions that way. Oh, and at NYU also, I did some headshots for some actors and models and anyone who might have need that. So um, it was something that I kind of pursued here and there. And then it fizzled out because I had to just focus on my classwork and my career and figuring out what I was yeah. going to do next. So that leads us all the way up to quarantine 2020. Doesn't it always lead us there? Oh, yeah. I mean, what a time <laughs> it was, right? Really? <laughs> so um, I, uh, before I graduated from NYU, I was an intern at NASA. I did two rotations there. So I spent about a year. Um, and then I came back to finish my degree at NYU. And then when I graduated, I started working as a hardware developer at IBM. 
So in quarantine last year, um, my job went fully remote. So I was living, you know, like we all were in our apartment with a bunch more free time and no commute. So I was like, what do I do with all this time? And I had always wanted to try my hand at Photoshop. I was always really enamored by those like really surreal kind of like trippy photo manipulations. And I would Mm -hmm. pin them on Pinterest, like since high school, I would like follow a bunch of Tumblr accounts. Like I was all about it, but I never knew how to do it. And there was one time, I think in 2015, like a summer, you know, during college where I just tried to open up Photoshop and I like lost my mind. It was so difficult. And I just like immediately shut it down. I was like, this is so much. Yeah. So I had more time to actually try it out in uh, quarantine. And I don't know how it kind of cannonballed into this amazing thing. I was practicing for hours every day and creating like crazy works of art. And the most exciting part of it was that I started this quarantine art series where I would take my followers like submissions of their smartphone selfies and then like turn them into cool little works of art. So that was a very long winded answer. I know. <laughs> but oh, that is no, it's fine. <laughs> that's the story of how I uh, came to consider myself an artist, engineer and entrepreneur. I love it. I mean, it sounds like you have taken, you know, like you said, passions and turned them into something that you can can do alongside with your your actual career, which is really cool and kind of combine all of those things together, which I love because I'm the same way. I'm always like, I want to do this, but I want to do that. But how do you do it all? And totally. Yeah. It sounds like you figure out how to do everything. Yeah. Sounds like you found a way. So I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, So we want to dive a little bit deeper into like all three facets of that, because like we said, you know, artists and engineer people are like, how does that work? But we want to kind of dive a little bit deeper into all of those for you. So you mentioned your internships at NASA, which is like the coolest thing I can ever so think of. I cool. wish science was good enough to me that I could work at NASA, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, so you did two internships. You worked in their VR lab, and then you also worked on the preliminary research aerodynamic design to land on Mars aircraft. So it's, she's going to Mars. She's going to be at Mars like next year, according to the article that I read, which is crazy to me. Um, You really done your research. I did also because I just am endlessly fascinated by space. So I was like, Ooh, we're going to Mars again. That's exciting. (laughs) Um, So, but just like, what was it like working at NASA? Like so many people, you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, they're like, I want to work at NASA. I want to be an astronaut. So like, what was it like to be there and like be a part of something that so many people like aspire to. I mean, it is still kind of a fever dream (laughs) to me. (laughs) I sometimes have to like remind myself that that was real life. Um, Yeah, for real. Um, So I visited NASA for the first time when I was eight years old, I think. I was nine, something like that. Um, I went to Johnson Space Center, like where they have the visitor complex and you can kind of see all their like memorabilia and it's like very kid friendly, very fun. Um, And I went there with my mom and some family members who live in Houston. And I just remember like looking around and seeing astronauts in spacesuits and being like, wow, this is really cool. Like I would love to do this one day. And you know, my dad remembers that I actually told him, like, I'm going to work at NASA one day. And he was just like, OK, yeah, uh-huh. yeah sure. <laughs> work for it. Uh, yeah, I hope you get there. Um, yeah, right. then, so then, you know, I um, when I was deciding which engineering discipline to follow, I did have the option to do like an uh, aerospace engineering minor. So a lot of mechanical engineers, what they will end up doing is minoring in aerospace. Um, but just due to the fact that I wanted to take a lot of more creative electives and I wanted to study abroad one summer in Berlin, I couldn't end up doing that. But what was really interesting is that these internships kind of ended up being in a sense, like I wouldn't equate it to be having a minor, but it definitely gave me exposure that like I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, but the experience itself was incredible experiences rather because it was like every single day was a new adventure um some of the most exciting stories that i love to share about my time um interning there was so when i was in california out in the mojave desert uh working on that martian aircraft there was uh there's one week where um 
the main entrance to the base, because it was on an Air Force base, the main entrance was like shut down. And we had received all these emails saying like, you have to uh, basically drive around the perimeter of the base and come in from a different um, entrance. And like, I, I cannot even tell you the, the sheer size of this place. Like it used to take me 45 minutes to commute in. And I lived like the closest you could possibly live to the actual base itself. <laughs> so like I, for this week, I was driving like an hour and a half every morning. And they, they couldn't really tell us why, like they couldn't really say why it was shut down. They were just like, oh, things are happening. And, you know, we don't want a lot of traffic. So I'm trying to figure this out. Right. Like I'm asking all my coworkers. I'm like, what do you know? What are they not telling us? And finally, when the week was over and we could finally go back through the regular entrance through the grapevine, I found out that they filmed solo a star wars story at the entrance of the air force base where i drove past every single day and they're like and you're telling me why i could have met chewbacca and <laughs> i know i could have had my 15 minutes of fame in star wars oh but my listen God, that's crazy <laughs> believe it or not that's actually not the craziest story i have I have another uh, Hollywood Hollywood related story. So this time there was a lot of commotion going on during the workday that somebody was on site, like somebody famous was around and we're like, who could it possibly be? I mean, there were, especially when I was there, which was 2018, there was like a huge surge of space movies coming out. So like, you know, we're trying to like Google, which one, you know, who could it be, you know, whatever. And it turned out, brace yourselves i need to take a deep breath before i say this ryan gosling (gasps) because he was filming first man and he was playing neil armstrong and i was working at armstrong flight research center which was named after him so he was actually there on a historical tour to like really imbibe this site and like get to know the feeling of like what armstrong himself may have went through when he was doing astronaut training and like he oh my goodness he like walked past my area it was did you see him yes we all we were freaking out is he as beautiful in person as he is on in the movies you know it (laughs) you know of course he is of course he is i would have dropped dead right i think i would yeah i think i would have died they I'm like, my heart is racing right now because I'm just remembering how I just felt remembering. when it was actually happening. <laughs> that is, I was really trying to think like, okay, it's going to be someone good. Who's it going to be? That like topped all of my guesses. So like, it, right. It, it does not get better than Ryan Gosling. It really it doesn't. Does, honestly. It really doesn't. It does not. So wow. Oh, and all that working at NASA, you're like, I'm just here to work on, on my Martian Truly. aircraft and make Truly. some space history. And I also get to see Ryan Gosling. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. It was the cherry on top, truly. It made the whole experience that much Goodness more. gracious. That is Wow, I'm, like, amazing. stunned. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> glad you shared that. Like, obviously... And NASA was great. NASA yeah. was top-notch. <laughs> obviously, it's really cool that you were doing, like, super smart, important work, but also Ryan Gosling. Like, that's... But you've you know, also got to see Ryan Gosling. <laughs> really the highlight wow amazing so nasa <laughs> a good time it NASA. sounds like all the way time. around good experience we <laughs> um, but you also mentioned that you uh also have some experience doing graphic design photoshop making art in that way which is really amazing and we noticed that you have some pretty cool collaborations with some pretty big like, companies very insane yeah like uh what tom ford lancome airy like crazy big companies um so i don't know tell us a little bit about that and i guess uh like how did that even happen how did that start that you were able to do those collaborations and then how were you kind of able to overlap that with your career that was also going on at ibm at the same time the way that i started out doing these brand partnerships was kind of jagged kind of non-linear um but it started out with one of my very first collaborations which was with um bliss beauty so uh there's a company community organization i'm not really sure how you would call it but it's called adolescent content and their um, whole shtick is that they collaborate with mostly Gen Z creators, but um, it's not just limited to that. And particularly, they connect micro influencers with brands. So, 
Micro-influencers, I believe, are considered to be less than 5,000 followers. Um, or sometimes it could also be considered less than 10,000 followers, depending on who you're talking to. But um, they were releasing their new Clear Genius um, skincare line. It's like a three-step system, basically. And they had put out a blast on social media looking for micro-influencers. And I followed the account. So I just thought, well, might as well try this, right? Let me just Back. give in my info and see what happens. And I didn't have much of a uh, following yet. And I also like hadn't really developed too much of a portfolio, but um, I gave it a shot and then I got it. Uh, it was yeah. really fun. They, um, I think they had a couple hundred micro influencers because I think that's what they can kind of get away with is because mm -hmm. the follower count is smaller. They can in turn have more people kind of creating content for them sure. and then the whole process was really interesting because um we had to uh create a pitch for them for what we would create and make sure that that got approved and then they would send us the products and we had like a time limit for when we would actually create the real content send it in for approval and then they like let us know what to include in the caption and all that so that was a really fun experience and the artwork that i created for that campaign is like still to this day, probably one of my favorite ones. I did this really fun kind of yeah. surreal juxtaposition where um, I am uh, looking at my reflection in the mirror in the bathroom and I'm kind of like taking a bottle of face wash from my hand, but like the two versions of me, the two reflections of me are different. Um, so that was a lot of fun to create. I'd always had this vision of like doing a reflection, weird trippy Photoshop yeah. thing. And I That's got to practice cool. that. Um, so yeah, that was one of my first ones. And then from there, it just kind of catapulted. And there's some, um, you know, partnership agencies that kind of help micro-influencers connect with these brands. So I'm uh, part of several, actually, that um, on a rotation kind of, you know, on a weekly basis, they'll send me uh, information about new brands or new products to check out. And then in turn, I also go through a bit of a vetting process myself and just make sure that those brands align with my ethical values and that I actually like mm. want to have that stamp on my portfolio. And then when yeah, all is absolutely. said and done, they send me their stuff and then I create art and it's so much fun. That's, that's amazing. So cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, I've definitely heard of people doing collaborations and things like that with brands and doing, you know, sort of the micro influencer thing. But the fact that you have grown and gotten to work with such big companies and big names is just really cool. And also just such a testament to the amazing work that you do. So that's Thank so cool. You. I love Thank that. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And all those, the, all those hours of Photoshop practice putting putting to work, exactly. doing, making it happen, which is very cool. Um, so we've got the engineer part, we've got the artist part. And so now we have the entrepreneur part. And you mentioned uh, Curtain Call a little earlier, the company that you built in college. Uh, and it was a female-led team, which I think mm -hmm. is, you know, great. We love female-run businesses and female-run startups, especially because like when I think of the startup industry, it's a very male-dominated industry. It has a very mm -hmm intense like bro code and it's just very very male dominated sure. um so did you and I know that this was through Stern correct mm -hmm. that this yes. like the company was built so did you kind of have to uh interact with any of that kind of like male dominated uh energy I guess in while you were creating the business uh and then like if you did how were you able to overcome it because I feel like that's just it's a lot to deal with when you're like starting to start trying to start a company and also trying to make sure that your voice is heard in this industry where women's voices maybe are not heard quite as often. Right, right. So it's interesting that you bring that up because um, coming from engineering, that's a pretty male dominated field. Um, thankfully, at NYU, our breakdown of the class was pretty like close to equal, but there mm. were still times where I would like look around in my class and be like, well, there's way more guys here than there are girls. So in a sense, I was kind of prepared um, for that when I was going into the entrepreneurial space and into the competition and then even beyond the competition when we were doing boot camps and just really trying to get the business off the ground. Um, you know, it's possible that we were surrounded by that kind of energy, but the really important thing is that since there were four of us women actually leading the company and doing every like doing the work together every day. Um, we really like lifted each other up. Uh, when we would have conflict, we 
help each other through it. I mean, if we had a very, a particularly difficult vendor or a client or something like that, you know, we would work together through it. I think there's like really a lot to be said about having powerful female friendships when you are like a woman in any industry, really. So kind of a roundabout way of answering your question, but just the fact that we had each other and that our team was so solid was kind of a way to combat and almost kind of protect ourselves from any of that negative energy. And um, we sought out mentors who were also women who had gone through similar things. Um, And thankfully, you know, we did have some resources as we were trying to get ourselves off the ground of like venture capitalists and people at the Entrepreneurship Institute who kind of helped us and guided us through it. Um, But overall, I'm just really thankful that I had them because without them, I'm not sure I would have actually been able to go through with it and pursue it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I agree. It's definitely important, especially in, in industries like that, to have the people that you can rely on. You can be like, I, this is like driving me crazy. Like I'm having this issue. Like how can we figure it out and know that they're going to listen to you and be able to actually offer like helpful advice right. and yeah. advice that you can process and then, you know, use moving forward. So that's great. And I'm glad that you had that support too, because I can't imagine trying to do any of that without that. <laughs> yeah. I love a good, uh, a girl team, you know, that's great. Um, so you've also worked on several projects using VR and I feel like that would be a pretty good combination of your sort of engineering background and your creative side, which Again, I know nothing about any of these things. Like VR is so foreign to me. I'm like, how would anyone even go about doing such a thing? Um, But was that something you felt like you sort of got to use both of those parts of you to, to, to work on? Or how did that kind of come together for you? Yeah, I actually love telling the story of how I discovered mixed reality, which is a combination of virtual and augmented reality. So um, my summer of my junior year so this was summer 2016 i studied abroad in berlin through nyu and actually through nyu tisch the school of the arts so the workshop that i was doing or the courses that i was taking were um, called creative coding Um, so it was basically teaching coding in javascript with the context of art installations So like, how could you code something that could be kind of like a standalone exhibit or um, projection mapping was something that we learned as well, um, where it's kind of really popular at music festivals, particularly like electronic dance music festivals, where um, they may have these really elaborate kind of projection setups where they have like irregular shapes or just you know the depths of the walls are different and there's like a specific Mm -hmm. way that you can use technology to map out whatever visuals you know video vj visuals to show on those things so it was really interesting totally different from my mechanical engineering curriculum um but one of the things that we learned there was augmented reality and mixed reality. Um, It was the first time that I ever used a headset. So I used the AR Microsoft HoloLens goggles and also the um, very, very, very first Oculus Rift, I believe it was back when it was in like its beta mode. So it was only for developers. They Mm -hmm. hadn't even released the commercial one yet. Um, And I was like truly mesmerized. I mean, I have worked at NASA. I have worked on aircraft that will go to space have done really interesting amazing fascinating things but nothing to this day has ever captured my imagination like the feeling of being in a vr headset and like being transported to a totally different world um so i was really hooked onto it since then and every single time i would apply to an internship or a job or look for any opportunities i would look specifically for mixed reality and i think i just started at a very strange time because Mm -hmm. it was still so new that it was at a point where if you wanted to go into the industry you had to have like a lot of experience or a phd or just you know be an expert in what you do and i was not an expert. I was way, way early in my career and also really, really passionate. So it took me a while, which is why it was my second internship at NASA, actually, that was Mm -hmm. the VR AR lab at Kennedy Space Center. And there I helped patent a tool which does rapid 3D model conversions. So basically, I'll give you a SparkNote summary. 
Um, <laughs> there's polygon-based 3D models and mesh-based 3D models, and mm -hmm. they both use very, very different types of algorithms. And like, I mean, I can't even go into detail about the back end of like the zeros and ones that go into each one, but they are not, they're like not that. compatible with one another. It's very hard to go from one to the other. Amazing. So our tool was used to take one kind and regurgitate the other. And it took a long time, oh. but it was kind of like a one-click process, which would allow high-level 3D engineering models that NASA already had for all of its spacecraft and pull them into VR so that they could show their products to clients or really do whatever they wanted with that. Cool. So really fun stuff. Somehow I just kind of kept pushing to see how I could get myself into the industry and use the skills that I already had to do something with it, even if it wasn't like creating the actual hardware or coding the actual back end. It was still something relating to it. And yeah. that's still it's still a thing that I'm trying to explore now I'm considering myself as an artist predominantly so I'm mm -hmm. viewing VR as a medium for that you know how can I create a, a piece of art or an immersive experience that my audience can experience but still incorporate the magic of VR and give them that same like exciting experience that I had the first time that I used it yeah wow that's like crazy. That is so cool. And also <laughs> some of the things you said were like way over my head. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, I cannot even imagine doing a lot of the things that you do. So I'm just. Yeah. To I, be I honest, you know, sometimes they go over my head too. <laughs> and you're just like, that's okay. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep working. It's amazing. And you've, you've done obviously, as we've talked about, you've done so many amazing things and you're still doing like a bunch of amazing things. You're still working at IBM. You are also now, you're an Adobe creative resident, which sounds very cool. Um, so what, I guess, what is the Adobe creative resident process? Like, what does that mean? What are you doing with that? And then outside of that and outside of work and outside of just encompassing everything, what do you want to keep doing like what do you see yourself doing moving forward and how do you see your path continuing to change throughout you know these years when we're not stuck in our apartments and talk <laughs> right. to anybody in real life yeah so it's actually really exciting um so I was able to quit my job um so I'm no oh, longer at IBM and I'm at Adobe full-time so um I'll tell you a little bit about how I discovered the residency so um, I, when I started sharing my digital art, I started following a lot of those artists that do similar photo manipulations. And um, I came across this one artist named Amelie Satsker. She's pretty big on Instagram. She's got an amazing portfolio, mm -hmm. just truly one of the most talented Photoshop artists out there. And um, I had noticed in her bio that she said she was an Adobe Creative resident. And that's when it was first put on my radar. So since then, I have been kind of like, Googling it and keeping my eye up on when the application goes up. Um, and the uh, applications went up earlier this year, I think in February. And the way that you apply is that you actually come up with a proposal for what you will do for the entire year if you get the job. So that involves um, a pitch deck, a budget, timeline, you know, all the things that you would need, resources. Um, and this is where my experience in entrepreneurship came in handy because I had yeah. a lot of experience with pitches and pitch decks mm -hmm. and feedback. So I treated it kind of just the same as that. Um, I, I had some of my closest, most trusted friends help me and review it. Um, and they, I honestly pretty much owe the job to those friends who like took the time out of their schedules to really help me with that. And I don't think I would have gotten it without them, to be honest. But um, it's a highly competitive program, and I truly didn't think that I was going to get it. Um, I think that it's been going for seven years now, although don't quote me on that. It may be a little more, a little less. Uh, but usually they, they take uh, like anywhere from like five to seven people every year. But due to COVID and also just a restructuring of how they've changed their community funds, Adobe has um, cut down the number of residents they take on an annual basis. So this year they just took two of us. So I am the annual design wow. creative resident and Halise Narvez is a YouTuber and she is the video creative resident. 
So very, very exciting. Basically, the way that the residency works is Adobe sponsors you for a year and helps you with whatever series of projects you have lined up. And in addition to that, that's kind of like half of the gig. And then the second half is that you basically kind of act as an ambassador for their products and help your audience, you know, um, get their hands dirty and, and you start using the tools that you use or show people your process, tutorials, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like literally a dream come true. I mean, this, I, despite yeah, everything awesome. that I have done in my life this is like the thing that I'm the most proud of because it's so like was not part of a plan and so not part of like the structure and with my experience it's so different from where I come from but I think that also my my diverse experience actually helped me because um, I offer kind of an interesting, different perspective because I come from a very technical background, but also I'm really creative. And in my pitch proposal, one of the things that I had talked about is that I want to focus on the convergence between the left brain and the right brain. It's like always Mm -hmm. been kind of my thing. I think I even wrote my college application about that. So it's really exciting to be able to pursue that. And my series of projects will be involving digital art Uh, combined with augmented reality and um, essentially I want to take this year to really do as much exploring as possible um, get as much exposure as possible and network um, to see if maybe I could do this like forever you know like if I could actually just be an artist and um, continue working with great brands and build my portfolio. And, you know, hopefully maybe one day I might be published in a magazine or maybe you'll see me on a billboard somewhere. We'll see. Hopefully. Fingers yeah. crossed. Oh my gosh. Crossed. I can't That's wait for that day. Cool. I, I definitely believe that will happen. So I'm very excited for the day that that comes. Um, that sounds really cool. That's amazing. And congratulations. Cause my goodness, only accepting two people a year. That two. That's bananas. <laughs> so absolutely. Congratulations as much deserved. But if you had any advice that you could give, uh, especially to, I'd say young women, young girls who are maybe looking to go into a STEM career, or maybe I like to say STEAM, because have you heard of this, where they add the A for arts, Mm -hmm. which I love. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's basically your whole, you Mm -hmm. know, career, which is amazing. So do you have any advice that you would give to any young girls who are looking to go into a career field like that? And like you said, use both sides of their brain and follow, uh, follow both of those passions. What would you say to them? Definitely. I, there is one thing that I say very frequently. This is something I really stand by that everyone at some point in their life will experience imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to make sure that you don't give into that. There's going to be a lot of things that happen along the way, people you meet or experiences you go through that instill some level of doubt in you or make you believe that the things you have rightfully earned Um, have come to you by any means other than you actually earning them. And it's always important to take a step back and truly remind yourself of all of the things that have led you to where you are, all the decisions you've made, all the people you've met, the advice you've taken, and even the things that you didn't do that led you to where you are. And in those moments where the imposter syndrome creeps in, to just remind yourself that you earned every single bit of it and that you deserve all of it and more and that you should always continue to want more. And it's never a bad thing to do that. I think especially as women, sometimes we feel that we need to make ourselves small or Mm -hmm. rescind into the background or in some way just kind of diminish who we are in order to make others comfortable. And I've, I've never believed that that has ever helped anybody. <laughs> so just really, you know, keep with your convictions and remind yourself who you really are and everything else will fall into place. Oh, I love that. Beautiful. Wow. wow. I, I'm one of remember that forever. I was just about to say, I'm really glad that is like memorialized on this podcast now. (laughs) 
I myself am going to go back and listen to that later and like be like, yeah, I do deserve that. this. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's really, really good advice. So that ends our sort of serious questions. Now we move on to our, our quick rapid-ish fire section where we just ask a few fun questions and you don't have to really answer rapidly. Everyone gets stressed when we get <laughs> rapid fire, but anyway, it's all good. As long as you need. Yeah, take your time. Um, but we ask all of our guests, because obviously this is the leading lady club, what does being a leading lady mean to you in your life or in your career? I know you just told us maybe a little bit when you gave your advice, but what does that mean to you being a leading lady? So it definitely means different things to different people. But for me, um, you know, my art style is like kind of a celebration of femininity. And femininity is not by any means the only definition of what it means to be a lady or a woman or any of that. But to me, personally, I really embrace my femininity. I went through a phase, especially in college, where I was like wearing Doc Martens and only black and like a bunch of eyeliner and like trying to be not my Barbie self. <laughs> and yeah. thankfully, you know, your early 20s, I read like a tweet somewhere. I was like, your early 20s are all about like embracing who you were when you were a kid. And that's so true because I was mm -hmm. a Barbie girl as a kid and I fully embrace that. I think being a leading lady is just being true to yourself. And I think that yeah. I'm doing that. Yeah. I oh. love that. And like, and you're right when you say that it's not the same for everybody. Cause I'm like, I know for me, I'm the exact opposite is that <laughs> embracing myself as a kid. I'm, you know, I'm wearing the Doc Martens and all black. Cause I'm like, I always <laughs> wanted to be that kid in high school and my mom never let me. And now I can do it. Cause I make a real salary. And so it's just whatever's going to work for you. I, I think love that's that. Excellent yeah. advice. Absolutely. And I am with you, Tanya. I love to say uh, that like femininity and strength are not separate they're not different yes, I think a lot of times not. people mm -hmm. think that they think if you're very like feminine and girly and you know a Barbie girl uh that that means that you're weak or that you're timid right. or that you know and I so that's something that means a lot to me too that you can celebrate your femininity but also be strong hardworking totally. ambitious, yeah. awesome woman so yeah. I very much relate to that and think you definitely do that amazingly. Um, so knowing that that's the definition of what being a leading lady means to you, who are some of the leading ladies in your life? This is going to be cheesy. I know. That's but fine. I, it always is. Um, we love it. I come from a family of extremely powerful women. Yes. Um, my mother is my role model and she was raised by a single mother and she also has a sister. She has a brother as well, who's amazing. And he has only daughters. So <laughs> that tells you a lot. My dad grew up in a household of only sisters. So there's just a lot, a lot of feminine energy in yeah. my family. And I think that's that. why I have always embraced who I am. It's never been in conflict with like being successful or achieving my dreams it's like it goes hand in hand it's like it's and yeah. not or so mm -hmm. absolutely my mom hands down is my biggest role model to this day I'm so lucky that you know because of quarantine I was able to move back home and be with my parents and I'm still actually in in my parents house right now and it's just such a blessing that you know in the middle of a really tough work day I can just go downstairs and give her a hug and then I come back and I feel like a new person. So I just, yes. I really appreciate her. I hope that she's listening to this right now and tearing up a little bit. Makes Is me my favorite feed tomorrow. Shout out to mom. Yeah, I agree. I, I spent six months at home uh, during the pandemic and it was terrible that everything was happening and my mom got sick. So that was like terrible too, but it was a very special time to be home with my mom, with my family. So I totally get that. I love that. Yay. We yeah. love moms. Um, okay. Love my, moms. my favorite question, Lauren always laughs at me, but I love this question. Everyone, <laughs> everyone who listens to the podcast, uh, knows this is my favorite. I'm question. nervous. No, it's okay. Don't be nervous. You're going to be great. No. <laughs> um, if you, could invite three people living or dead to a dinner party what three people would you invite oh no i know <laughs> i feel like everyone hates it but i i find it fascinating like who people choose oh my goodness what a fantastic <laughs> question it's it's hard honestly i wouldn't be able to come up with three on the spot i don't think i'd be very stressed <laughs> so the first person who i would invite this was the easiest one that came to my mind immediately is Hedy Lamar? Are you familiar with Hedy Lamar? No. 
So she name was, she was a very, very famous American film actress. Um, she was in a lot of famous movies that I obviously cannot remember any of right now. She was in Is Sam she the one Lama. that got murdered? Um, I no, don't believe she, so. She's not the one that got murdered. Don't Never believe mind. So. But she had a really amazing film career. But the reason why I love her so much is because she actually is responsible for modern day Wi-Fi. So during one of the wars, she basically kind of came up with the technology that one day would lead to Bluetooth, GPS, and Wi-Fi. And this is all like while she was this devastatingly beautiful woman whose entire career was based on her looks and, you know, her acting and all that. But in addition to that, she also was like a genius. Absolutely amazing. Such an inspiration. So that's one. Oh my gosh. Love that answer. Um, She's the whole reason we're having this conversation right quite now. Literally, yeah. For, on like multiple fronts, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. wow. Yes, Wi Fi, all of that. Oh my gosh. Um, another one that I would invite is Margaret Hamilton, who I believe was the director of the software engineering division of the MIT Instrumentation Laboratory. which developed the onboard flight software for NASA's Apollo program. So there's this amazing picture of her where she's literally standing. This is before computers, like modern day computers. She's literally standing next to a stack of paper that's higher than her. And she's like five foot something. And it's all code that she wrote by hand that like was responsible for sending rockets to space. So she would be number two. Yeah. (laughs) And then finally, number three, last but most certainly not least, would be my own grandmother. So my mom's mom. She, um, I did have the joy of meeting her and knowing her um, for most of my childhood. She unfortunately passed away when I was eight years old. She was very, very ill. And um, my mom and, and her siblings and I, you know, took care of her in her last days of her life. So the way I remember her is a very different version of her than who she was like when she raised my, my mom and just who she was throughout her life. She had a really glorious career. She was an academic and she was a professor. Um, and I, my mom tells me all the time that she sees a lot of her in me. So mm-hmm. I would have loved to kind of get to know her more. So if I had the opportunity to bring her back, I would absolutely love to do that. And I think she would also really like Margaret and Hetty, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. Wow. What a group. Those are excellent answers. Those wow. are like really amazing answers, which That's honestly- It would be a vegan dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, okay. Lastly, if you could create a com- campaign for any brand or company, what would it be? Absolutely, without a doubt, one hundred thousand percent, Barbie. It is my yes. right. On the yeah, list. I would love to work yeah. for Barbie um, in any capacity. I, you know, I grew up watching the movies. I had the dolls. I had, oh you know, that video Swan games. Lake movie, man. I mean, that's a good movie. And which one? The Swan Lake movie. That's a good movie. Swan Lake is number one, and then there's like Rapunzel and Twelve Dances yes. and Princesses. <laughs> oh, I yes. know. Yes. I, had, I had the Barbie Nutcracker movie, so that oh, was, also that, a good one. That was my Barbie movie that I had. Oh yeah. So in any capacity, I would I would absolutely love to uh, work with them in some way. One of the yeah. projects that I did last year was that I turned myself into a like a doll box. Yes. And it was, like kind of those, like those are the ones that are on your website. Yeah, those yeah. are incredible. Those are so <laughs> Thank cool. Thank you. Had and so I much love- fun with that. Yeah, and you kind of like one of your nicknames you call yourself. It sometimes is like astronaut Barbie, right? Yeah, space I, Barbie. Yes. Space space Barbie. Space yes, Barbie. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my goodness! All right, the very last thing we have all of our guests do is complete a BuzzFeed quiz that we pick based on who they are, maybe who their what their career is. So I'm putting it in the chat if you would like to look at it. But we'll also read the questions aloud to you. Um, this is this- so fun. What a fun concept. We love it. It's my favorite part. I love I'm like, oh, what's everybody going to get? Yeah, we love it's our favorite little bit. And honestly, it's fun every week, like picking the quiz. We'll be like, oh, yeah, what should we do like and sometimes it kind of loosely ties into who they are or what they do. And then sometimes it's just like right on the money. But Lauren picked this one. It was pretty good. This quiz will tell you which aspect of space you are which 
It's just so cool. I love it. All right, let's do it. So first, pick a color. Either yellow, black, orange, red, blue, or green. I'm going to go with blue. Good choice. Love. I love blue. I do too. All right, what's your favorite animal? Either a dog, a lion, a cat, a parakeet, a horse, or a hamster. Interesting. Definitely a dog. Yes. It's a very cute, you, those of you who are listening can't see it, but it's a very cute picture of a corgi and I love him. (laughs) We're big corgi fans. All right. How do you feel about secrets? Either, I don't like keeping them, but I do my best. I will tell everyone everything. They're okay (laughs) when necessary. I hate secrets. I'm really good at keeping them. Or I only keep other people's secrets, never my own. (laughs) I hate to I hate to admit this about myself, but I only keep other people's secrets, never my own. I am the same I, way. I cannot I can keep be like that too. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, let me let me info dump about me, but if you tell me anything, that stays right. in the vault. Um all right, what's a hobby of yours? Either gardening, partying, cooking, drawing, hiking, or reading. This is a close tie between partying and cooking, but I'm going to go with cooking so I can look like an adult. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I am always in, I'm always making something. I'm not out. Whatever. Whatever. That's fine too. (laughs) And finally, what's your favorite part of earth? Either the prairie, the rainforest, the mountains, the desert, the ocean, or the Arctic. I think I'm going to go with the mountains. Nice. I do love a mountain. Oh, you got Jupiter. It says, I love Jupiter. Big fan. It says you're fair, reasonable, optimistic, and calm. You like to see each side of the story. Is that wow. I feel like that's very generous, but I will absolutely take it. <laughs> I, Jupiter is such a beautiful It's very fan. like zen. It's very Jupiter chill. is gorgeous. gorgeous. Honestly, I'm pretty sure. Lots of moons. Yeah. Fun fact, when I was in like fourth grade and we did our space unit, I thought Jupiter was the coolest planet and I wanted to have Jupiter for my like project. But then I got the sun because <laughs> there were too many people and not enough planets. And at first I was like, the sun, like how boring. And then my little only child at the time, Leo self was like, okay, but like everyone else revolves around me. So like, this is actually like the best one to get. So that's this is fine. actually perfect. Yeah. I but, love that. Oh my gosh. I love that story. First of all, only child at one point and also a Leo is a pretty deadly combination coming right? from a story <laughs> only child herself. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, uh, I'm not going to, I mean, this why I'm an actor. Are you kidding? Like, yes, I'm absolutely. I need everybody to pay attention to me all the time. Oh my goodness. All right, Tanya. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom with us we really enjoyed chatting with you and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon yes thank you guys so much my cheeks hurt from smiling so much oh, <laughs> so fun. Yes. thank you for having me oh my goodness of course, of course. come you. back anytime <laughs> all right we'll see you soon bye. bye gosh what an amazing woman i love the way her brain works i just want to I- talk to her about everything forever I just can't imagine being that like successful and accomplished at our age. <laughs> like it's honestly crazy. I had nothing. I, was yeah, I feel like I thought I was accomplished of some kind, but I'm no, no, I'm not. After talking to her, I was like, well, I guess I've literally never accomplished anything in my life actually ever. Um, so that's good. Just kidding. She would want us to celebrate our own victories. So You're right. we're great, mm-hmm. but like, Tanya, how amazing. I loved everything she had to say. Um, I loved the whole like right brain versus left brain and like using both. Uh, I loved her, of course. I love that she's obsessed with Barbie. I think that's amazing. Um, Shout out if anyone is listening to this podcast who works with Barbie or knows people who do, get this girl a collab. Like, come on. Do it. Get her. Yeah. She's amazing, and I I just feel so lucky that she came and talked to us because we do not deserve her on this podcast, but she came anyway. We don't really deserve any of our guests that we've had. We've had some of the most amazing people that I know, Um, so I just, like, I'm always in awe when people are like, yeah, sure, I'll come on the podcast. I'm always like, thank you so much. 
Um, so anyway, <laughs> shout out to Tanya. We had so much fun talking with her. She is amazing. I think we're at the end of our time here today, Lauren, aren't we? Indeed we are. Indeed we are. All right. Would you like to tell the people where they can follow, find, and support us? Of course. You can find us on Instagram at Leading Lady Club. You can find us on our website, leadingladyclub.com. We have all of our podcast episodes there, as well as anywhere else you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the others that I, again, still will remember. Uh, you can rate us on apple podcast you can give us five star review subscribe you can leave us a nice review of how wonderful we are you can subscribe to us anywhere else well and we will bring it right back here next monday with another equally amazing guest who is probably more successful than we are but that's why they're here so we can talk with them absolutely that's why it's the leading lady club all right everyone we hope you have a great rest of your monday and we hope uh you'll join us right back here again next week have a great week everyone bye bye like thousands of earths inside of it i mean it's it's absolutely nuts it's a big deal if you will